Welcome to another edition of the Under the Dome podcast. I am your host, Ben Belden. It's been a while since we've done a podcast, but these are going to be coming more frequently, we imagine, although we don't have set in stone plans, but the season is about to start, so we're going to be pushing out some content here at the Under the Dome podcast and over at slapthesign.com, so make sure you check that out as well. I am joined by Nathan Erbach and Mason Plummer, who I will uh, bring in here in just a second. But make sure, like I say, you're checking us out all over the places that you listen to your podcast, whether that's Apple Podcasts, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, pretty much anywhere where there's a podcast, iHeartRadio, all that junk. Anywhere there's a place where you can listen to podcasts, we're probably there. So go ahead and uh, check us out wherever. Make sure you check us out on YouTube as well. And if, um, you know, we're going to, as the season starts, I have a few plans for the YouTube channel outside of just podcasting stuff. So, you know, make sure you're checking us out over there for that type of content as well. So that stuff out of the way, I want to make sure that we mention a couple of our sponsors. First, there's SeatGeek. If you're looking to go to any sporting event as the summer winds down or, you know, throughout the fall, Use SeatGeek for your ticket buying experience, and if you apply the code the Loop Sports to your uh, as a coupon code at checkout, you'll get twenty dollars off your first purchase. So that's the Loop Sports as that coupon code. Also, twenty six shirtscom they make kind of um, vintage, one of a kind shirts for different sporting teams and cities, and they retire the shirts after a while. So if you want a I don't know how to say this. If you want kind of a shirt that not a lot of other people have, go to 26shirts.com. The, a lot of the proceeds to those things go to help families in need. So it's a worthy cause. You can get a cool shirt out of it. 26shirts.com is where you want to go for that. And lastly, um, the people who have helped us set up this podcast, electrosound.com. They hooked me up with some audio equipment and things, and they do some audio consulting and that type of deal. So electrosound.com for your audio needs. Okay, now that we've got all the propers out of the way, we're going to actually do this podcast a little bit differently today. I'm going to bow out to the background, I guess you could kind of say, and we're going to allow Nathan, who, as you know, if you are a longtime listener of the Under the Dome podcast, you know Nathan very well. Uh, we're going to allow him to kind of um, host and navigate the conversation a little bit, which I'm excited about. Um takes a little bit of pressure off of me, to be quite honest, and I, I like that, especially with, um, well, I was at a wedding yesterday, so with, especially with how I feel today, I'm more than willing to relinquish some of the uh, the talking over to Nathan. So we're going to do that. Nathan, um, you know, you can take it away, my friend. All right, all right. Uh, thanks for having me again, Ben. I should probably say thanks for coming on with me, since I'm the host today. Yes. But, uh, <laughs> But uh, also, we're we're obviously welcoming welcoming in uh, Mason Plummer as well. So, how are you doing, Mason? Doing well. Thanks for having me, Nathan. And I appreciate it. Perfect, perfect. So, obviously, we us three, you know, we talk all the time about wanting to get on the podcast and different things like that. So, uh, one of the things with you know with the season coming up here in just over a week, uh, you know, wanted to talk maybe a little bit of the Louisville football. If any of us have any inside info there, and then. Um, you know, just kind of go with our some of our Notre Dame predictions and then predictions for Louisville as well. So I guess the, the first thing to ask you guys is, do you guys know anything about Louisville? Do you guys have anything you guys want to share about Louisville? Um, and then what are you expecting kind of game one? Um, even if that doesn't mean, 
that that's kind of how it's going to be for the rest of the year. But uh, I'm just excited to talk a little bit about, you know, what Notre Dame will do week one. Um, I guess start I'll start with Ben. Yeah, okay. Um, <laughs> the thing I know about Louisville is uh, an absolute train wreck. <laughs> um, I guess to kind of put it mildly, uh, I mean, I think they're on their way out, I guess, of being kind of uh, – a turbulent few years in the Louisville football program. I guess we can kind of put it that way. Um, I was surprised. I, and I'd actually, I'm not a guy that pays attention to lines real uh, closely, but at the wedding last night, I was talking to uh, another Notre Dame football fan and he made me aware that the line for the Louisville game is like 39 points, <laughs> which I can't really remember a time where Notre Dame was favored by that much. Um, I'm sure that there is a time, I mean, in relative recent memory, but for another power five school um, to be a 39 point dog to the Irish is, is just, uh, I, I don't know. It kind of speaks to what, you know, Louisville is expecting Louisville fans are expecting for their season. I know that at slap the sign, we're um, working with the Louisville site, sister site and sister site, brother site, whatever. And basically from what I know from talking to those guys over there, they're basically like, you know, hopefully we just don't get royally embarrassed. And so um, that's kind of a, uh, I don't know. That's kind of my feeling on Louisville thus far without knowing a whole lot of specifics about their actual football team, if that kind of makes sense. Perfect. perfect. I mean, I know they got their, uh, their new coach in uh, Satterfield over from Appalachian state. Um, and then actually I did some re- a little bit of research before we started the pod today. And I don't think it's a 39 point favorite, but I think it's close to like 21 or like 20 and a half. So, I mean, still a really big spread overall. I'm going to look um, it up because maybe I got bad info. So I'm going to look it up. Right, but right. Keep going. <laughs> but even then, for an away game, I mean, that's that's big time. Uh, it's a big time spread. And, you know, we know what they had with Brian Van Gorder last year. So, uh, Mason, do you have anything kind of else to, to throw out there for Louisville? Yeah, yeah. When, side I, of things? when I heard Ben say 39, I was I was thinking, like, probably not. Like, there's no way. So I looked it up. It, <laughs> yes, Westgate has Notre Dame at minus 20, and Caesars has Notre Dame at minus 20 and a half, which I think is about right. If Notre Dame doesn't win by three touchdowns, I think that's – I mean, that says something. Notre Dame needs to come out and smack a team that's that went 2-10 and 10 last year. And, um, you know, Notre Dame, besides well, – we played well against Michigan last year in the first game, but I, I feel like they was, like to come out kind of slow and try to figure things out, but – It'd be it'd be refreshing to see them go out and really hit somebody in the mouth. So I'm hoping that's what happens. Yeah, I'm upset now, because I just actually, you know, I looked it up too, and the the person that uh, gave me that bad info listens to this podcast, so you know who you are. So let that be, <laughs> let that be a lesson to uh, to do your own research rather than listen to someone else. But sorry for cutting you off, Nathan. Go ahead. No, you're good. I was going to say I know one thing I know about their team is you know Jawan Pass, their quarterback, who. Didn't necessarily have the greatest of seasons last year, but he was a decent uh, prospect coming out of high, uh, high school or a decent recruit coming out of high school following like Lamar Jackson. He was a, a legitimate four-star and had some other big-time programs after him. So I think he does definitely have some talent. And um, But we know how bad their defense was last year, and we, we shouldn't expect – we shouldn't necessarily expect even with Satterfield coming in and, you know, he's been an established coach for a while. Um, I don't think we have too much to worry about with Louisville. Um, but yeah, I mean, just kind of moving on a little bit here. 
what are your guys' general thoughts of just the Notre Dame football team as a whole? Um, if you want to throw out your prediction right now, you can. Um, and then, or if you want to maybe just throw out like a score prediction for Louisville as well, that might be something we can talk about too. But, uh, but what are your general, what are your overall thoughts as we get really close to the season? And this time we can start with Mason. Uh, I'm fairly confident, not quite as confident as I was last season, just because I feel like the linebacker position is going to be a problem. But I mean, that could be figured out in the first couple of weeks and we could see guys really break through and make the linebacker position their own. Um, I'll start with a record prediction. I've said since the offseason, like knowing the talent that we were going to lose, especially on the defensive side, um, I think Dexter Williams' production can be matched. So I'm not too worried about that. But um, on the offensive side, I mean, but I, I have Notre Dame at 10 and 2, and I've stuck with that. I think it's going to be tough to get out of Stanford, Michigan, and Georgia all the way and come away with wins. I think you probably drop two of those. And, and if you win two of the three of those, then maybe you lose one. In between, um, the schedule isn't easy this season by any means. And um, let's see, I'll, I'll do throw out my prediction for Louisville as well. I'll go forty-two to ten. Ooh, nice. Irish. So, of um, to kind of, <laughs> um, so to kind of talk about some things, I guess that Mason touched on. Um, where do I start? I think it's I. I I think there's going to be some growing pains with this Notre Dame team early on. And I, I tried to write on this yesterday. I don't know if it really came out particularly well. Like, you know, there are people out there, I guess, that think that, you know, Notre Dame needs to come out and beat Louisville like freaking 50 some to 10, 59 to 10 or something along those lines. And, you know, I think here's the thing. Like, I get a little bit bugged by, by people that, like, talk about, like, the style points and, you know, crushing teams and, and that type of deal. Because here, for Notre Dame, obviously, they're, we're going to talk, we're talking about some of the holes that they have in their, in their defense, like Mason mentioned, and there are obvious holes and things. But, like, here, here's the thing. Like, I don't know. Brian Kelly is, hasn't been, like, the type of coach, or at least, Notre Dame hasn't been the type of team under Brian Kelly, I guess is the better way to put it, that they're just going to beat the brakes off of a team because, I don't know, like, correct me if I'm wrong, and maybe this is just me in my own head thinking this way, but, like, to me, when Notre Dame gets up a little bit, that's when, like, Brian Kelly starts to try different things that are a little bit out of character, sub some guys in, put some guys in a little bit of a different position, and, you know, kind of you see the growing pains on the fly, I suppose. And I don't have a problem with that because, you know, as I kind of said the other day, I think that um, I, I think that Notre Dame is going to – I would rather see Lawrence Keyes, all right, on the first – or Braden Lindsay. Let's use Braden Lindsay as an example. In like the first quarter at some point when, you know, the game is still meaningful and there's still meaningful snaps around than waiting to see Braden Lindsay until they're up 28 to nothing when he's playing against – other second stringers, and he's playing with Notre Dame second stringers, I suppose, if that kind of makes sense. So I sort of think that there's a decent possibility, and I'm trying to get to this point in a roundabout way, that you know things aren't going to look real pretty against Louisville and even New Mexico, but I don't think that that's going to be a cause for concern long-term, if that kind of makes sense. Um, I don't know. I don't really do season predictions all that much because I think that there's, um, you know, I think that Notre Dame's in a better position than they have been, and so I, 
almost thing. I mean, I think that they can win every game. Do I necessarily think they're going to go down to Georgia and win? No, but I don't know. I think this is like I've said it before. If if I had to make a prediction, you know, and the way I kind of phrased it was for wins. If I had to make a prediction and you told me I wasn't allowed to choose 10, I would choose 11 before I would choose 9, if that kind of makes sense. Um, so I think it's going to be a, a generally a pretty good season with you know maybe a few growing pains at the beginning. And I know that was a long-winded answer, but it was something that I uh, – like I said, something I've been burning on for a while. Yeah, and kind of going off of what you guys are saying, um, and I'm trying to learn this role of host here, so – um, it's kind of it's kind of interesting, but uh, kind of going off what you said, Ben, about expecting so much like the first game or even maybe the you know first couple games. I- I'm exactly with you on that. Like I would much rather see some of these guys against Louisville and New Mexico get prepared for Georgia. I mean, I think we all agree that Lawrence Keys, Braden Lindsey, um, you know, even even guys like Jameer Smith and Kyron Williams, like they have talent. Now, we might not always have to see those guys with their talent because of, you know, when Michael Young comes back, when Cole Komet comes back from injury, you know, and then they're going to lean on guys like Chase Claypool and Chris Fink and, you know, Jafar Armstrong, Tony Jones. You know, you guys get my point. I pretty much just named the whole freaking roster. But um, <laughs> but those guys need a play, and they're going to need to be leaned on here, in the, you know, at some point. And that just that point happens to be probably weeks one and two when those guys are out. Some of those big name guys are out. And um, I mean, I think some other factors come into play. I mean, it's a Monday game. I, mean, I know it's the first game of the season, but it's not like these guys are used to playing on a Monday. Um, it's an away game. It's a night game. It doesn't matter that it's Louisville. It's the first game of the year. There's going to be some jitters. Um, I mean, who knows? I mean, maybe Louisville gets off to like a quick 10 nothing start and then, you know, how fans are, they're going to, people are going to freak out. Um, but even if they get off to a 10 nothing start, I wouldn't necessarily sit there and be completely worried that Notre Dame is going to go out and blow the game and all of a sudden our, our hopes and dreams are done after week one. I mean, stuff happens. And, um, I don't know how you guys feel about that. Maybe piggyback a little bit off of what I said right there. Um, but, uh, but at the same time, I, I don't know if you guys agree with me on this, but Notre Dame also seems to always get off to quick starts in games, even in games that they lose for whatever reason. Like I, I can't tell you how many times they, they Brian Kelly takes the ball and all of a sudden they're up 7 nothing, And then things kind of slow down, which is kind of weird. It's because everything, maybe it's because everything's scripted, you know, different things like that. But uh, what are your guys' thoughts kind of on what I just mentioned there? I just think the notion that I've seen, and this is kind of in conjunction with what I was trying to say and what you were saying, that the notion that Notre Dame needs to just absolutely, like, I don't know, roll like a train over Louisville to have any chance of beating Georgia is just stupid. Because, I I don't know, because people will say, well, we need to get up by a lot so we get some of these younger guys in and get them experience. I want them getting experience when the game matters. I want them getting experience, you know, first drive, first quarter, end of the first quarter, somewhere in that ballpark. And some of these guys that need experience, they're going to make mistakes. And so, I don't know. I guess I just get bothered by the people that, you know, and Nathan, you kind of referenced it, that that freak out over over that type of thing. And then, you know, if we're sitting here on, you know, Tuesday, writing about, talking about the fact that Notre Dame only beat Louisville by 17 or something like that, it's like, oh gosh, like, Louisville is terrible, and we only beat him by 17. We've got no chance for the rest of the season. We might as well just send it in now. Like that's the mentality, I guess that that uh, 
that kind of bothers me because I mean, would you rather Braden Lindsay be playing against? I mean, Braden Lindsay probably gets a better look in practice than he would playing against Louisville's third string defense in the third quarter of a game that Notre Dame is up by 40, if that makes sense. So I, I think it's just kind of weird that people always like, well, we need to get these guys in uh, in a blowout game to get them experience. I just don't feel like it works that way. So I don't know. I, either way, there's going to be the overreaction train, and I'm trying to uh, sort of change the narrative a little bit to not overreact to what happens against Louisville and New Mexico um, because, I mean – like Nathan said, there are human elements that go into those games. Like, you know, first game of the year, jitters, night game, that type of thing. The fact that they're playing Louisville and they're favored by 20-some points is going to, you know, come into it. I mean, you'd like to think that, you know, you treat every opponent the same, but it just doesn't happen that way. So, I don't yeah. know. And before I turn over for Mason for his compliments, it's not like you're talking about Phil Jerkovic playing over over Ian Book to right. get some reps. I mean, you want you want your main guys playing, but right, right now our main guys could be guys like Lawrence Keyes and Braden Lindsay until Michael Young and Cole Komet and guys like that come back. Right, yeah, like, and probably the obvious exceptions to those types of things, like you're not going to change the quarterback out, like you said. You're not really going to uh, do a lot of changing on the offensive line, right? But, like, you know, some of the backs and receivers, and then defense is kind of a little bit of a different animal. I mean, you can get, you know, Howard Cross, for instance, into the game pretty early, I think, um, if you mm-hmm. if you want to. Um, so that's kind of a little bit different. But obviously, yeah, like you said, like I'm not trying to advocate, well, let's send Ian Book out there for a drive and then let's go to Phil. Like that's not really what I'm going for. But, um, yeah, that was a good clarification by you. That's – thanks. <laughs> Mason, what are your thoughts? Yeah, just um... – I was just thinking about what Ben was saying about getting young guys experience. And I think that whether we, whether Brian Kelly and Chip Long want to or not, it's going to happen because of Michael Young's injury. It's going, it's looking like Wilkins is going to, or not Wilkins, Lawrence Keyes is going to have to start or whether it's Wilkins, well, it could be Wilkins too. It can, it gets a significant amount of playing time, but um, moving think to the outside and then having one of them run through the slot, it looks like based on the way they've been lining up in practice. So that could be the way, that they line up against Louisville, and that could be a lot of valuable time. We could be shocked by what we see with Keys and Wilkins, and maybe they could stay there. Um, ideally, you like think in the slot with Young outside, but if Young has some growing pains getting back into a, a place where he's 100%, maybe we see guys like Lindsey, too, that make an impact and kind of stay, and you'd like to see that because outside of you have Claypool, Fink, and Young, who I still think is a little bit unproven. He's supposed to have a breakout season. You have a lot of question marks at your wide receivers. So, uh, yeah, it'd be nice to see some guys prove themselves. Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, and kind of going off what you just said, I think it has been announced that Fink's pretty much going to play on the outside until Young comes back with, with at least Keys um, playing a, a key role in the slot. Um, but I also think, I mean, we're going to see, you know, we're going to see Tommy Tremble as a backup tight end uh, to uh, Brock Wright. And I think Brock Wright's had a really good um, – you know, off season so far, kind of like reinventing himself and changing his body a little bit. I think we're going to see some two back sets because they trust Jafar Armstrong and Tony Jones to be uh, pass catchers out of the backfield. So you might even see those guys in the slot a little bit. And then, I mean, I think it's fair to say that Chris Fink and Chase Claypool are going to be, you know, they're going to be leaned upon, but they also should be. One's a fifth year senior, one's a fourth year senior. They both have a lot of playing time under their belt, and it, we should expect them to have. Um, even though they've already been, you know, good players for Notre Dame in the past, we should expect those guys to, you know, elevate their play um, to another level this year, especially if we want to get back to the college football playoff. 
Um, but kind of switching gears a little bit here, um, and we'll start with Mason on this one. I feel like we haven't talked to you as much here the past few minutes. But uh, what what is your biggest question mark about this team? And then afterwards, if you want, um, throw out what do you think the biggest strength is of this team? Like what would really surprise you if that position or, or the, a certain type of play was, was poor for them outside of an injury occurring? Well, I think the linebacker position would be too easy. So let's see. I said that the, the other corner outside of Troy Pride, um, you've heard a lot about Dante Vaughn stepping into that position, but until I see it and I see him play live and play well, I'm still going to question it. Um, well, I guess this, the entire secondary outside of Pride, Gilman, and Elliott, I don't know what's going to happen with Houston Griffith. Um, how much playing time is Kyle Hamilton going to get? Uh, I feel like that, that's question marks. I mean, outside of the linebackers, everybody knows that that's going to be a question mark throughout the season. And then the biggest strength, I would say, I the quarterback play. If, if Book plays as well as he did last season, um, I think that that's that's going to be key. You need a game manager like Book. He's not he's not the kind of guy like Trevor Lawrence who's going to win the game by himself just just because he's a step above a level above everybody else on the field, but. Book's a game manager, and he can go out there and give your team a chance to win with his completion percentage and how he spreads the ball around. So I think if he plays like he did last season, maybe even better. Um, he went to the Manning Passing Academy this uh, offseason, and I think he's improved his game a lot. I saw it live. And uh, yeah, as long as he's cool and composed and plays as well as he did, uh, I think that's a big strength for him and the team. For me, I think ahead, um, kind of the biggest question mark, and I was actually kind of going to – you know, uh, go the kind of the same way that Mason went. Uh, I'll put a little bit of a different spin on it. Obviously, linebacker is a big question, like Mason kind of mentioned, but I I actually feel pretty decent about the linebacker position. I mean, as Marble Lulls racked up a lot of playing time, um, all glowing things about Jeremiah Wuso Koromoa. Um, and then whoever whoever plays alongside those two, I think is going to be okay. I, I just think that's going to happen. I think that, you know, when they get live competition against another team it'll be a, a situation where we see some guys really step up but in general i think the biggest question mark for me is can this defense stay healthy because i think that if that this defense should be pretty decent i think they're gonna be pretty decent but they're not gonna be decent if they're dealing with injuries um you know dante vaughn i mean one of the bright spots of, you know, the four and eight year in 2016 was Dante Vaughn as a true freshman, especially coming on at the end of the year. And then last year you saw him drop off. Uh, he was injured. I mean, a lot has been made about his poor performance against Clemson. So, you know, there's him and then there's Sean Crawford, who might be even the starter at the other cornerback position beside Troy Pride on the opposite side of Troy Pride, I guess I should say. Um, but yeah, that other cornerback position is, uh, I mean, obviously we know about Sean Crawford's injury history. So can they stay healthy is really kind of more of what I'm worried about, I suppose. Um, and I mean, I'm going to end up saying a lot of the same things as Mason here. I mean, the biggest strength I think is going to be the passing game because I, I mean, I just think that for the first time under Brian Kelly, it's, a quarterback is coming in and there's no doubt that Ian book is the starter. I mean, if you trace back all of the quarterbacks under Brian Kelly, I mean, there was very rarely was the same guy starting, you know, from the end of one year to the next. And even more rarely was it, was he starting? And there was no question mark 
about whether he should be starting or not. Uh, that's not the case for Ian Book. So I think this is the time where we're going to see a Notre Dame quarterback take a leap. Um, and I think it's going to be really good. And part of the reason why I'm so high on this Notre Dame team is because I think you're going to get, you know, Jimmy Clausen level type of quarterback play. And, you know, some of those Notre high Dame. Praise. Yeah. And, and I feel pretty strongly about that, to be honest with you. And like, can you imagine if like a Jimmy Clausen led team had any type of a decent defense, how good Notre Dame would have been back, you know, I guess Clausen was at the uh, end of the two thousands. Um, those Notre Dame teams would have been pretty good with a decent defense. And I think they've got a pretty uh, decent defense that has the opportunity to be better than decent, I suppose. Funny you mentioned uh, Clawson because I think I was reading something the other day about how um, they would. I forgot who it was. It was one of like the bigger Notre Dame, one of the bigger Notre Dame guys that was talking about it, like Team Tim Prister or something like that. And he, whoever it was, mentioned that it'd be awesome to see Clawson like on a team like this, or even with like Brian Kelly, because yes. kind of like what you were saying, a they've had the defenses under Kelly outside of a couple of those Brian Angorder years, and. Um, he was just so dominant that junior year that, you know, look, Clawson would just be really fun to watch in an offense like this. Um, but I'm actually going to take a little bit of a different route than both of you guys. And partly because, you know, a little different twist and, you know, we all know about the linebackers and the backup corners and maybe even the depth at certain spots on defense. Um, and maybe it's because we've been so accustomed to this specific position group being dominant at, at Notre Dame. Um, but I'm not 100% convinced that the offensive line is going to be really good. And I think that people are just like, oh, like we recruit there well, we're going to be fine. You know, you know, whatever they say, like these guys were five stars, like they, they're now they're seniors or they're, or they, they're in their second year playing with them, you know, blah, blah, blah. Until I see dominant performances from Tommy Kramer, Liam Eichenberg, um, and, and mo- mostly those two, I think. I mean, obviously, Jared Patterson's unproven, so he, he probably got a film in there, too. They weren't, uh, like, a dominant group last year, and I think that they finished top five in that offensive line award, mostly off reputation. So if they can't – I think we all expect that the offense is going to be just way better than last year and maybe even sort of like a, a role reversal, like where the offense is really good, the defense is just good enough to, to make sure they're a dominant football team. But I'm, I'm somewhat worried that the offensive line can hold this offense back from being completely dominant. Um, I don't know what your guys' thoughts on that are. I actually agree with that quite a bit. Like, I don't know, Tommy Kramer, to me, was maybe the weak spot of Notre Dame's offensive line last year. Um, and, you know, I guess I, I kind of chalk up the fact that I'm not real worried about it right now to the fact that from what I've heard about Tommy Kramer, I mean, I think Tommy Kramer was like a pretty good tackle to be honest with you. But when they moved him inside and started pulling him, he just didn't have the agility and to, to get out in front of a, a ball carrier and pull and, and hit guys. And that, I mean, I think that was a big thing with Notre Dame's running game a little bit. Um, so I don't know. I think he's improved on those types of things. I mean, I don't get to see him, but from whatever, you know, everything I've heard, he's more agile. He's kind of 
I don't know. When you were talking about Brock Wright earlier, he's talked about like recreating himself a little bit. I feel like that's kind of what Kramer has done from what I've heard. Uh, but yeah, I mean, until I see it, I won't really know. Um, so I, I mean, that's probably next on my, on my list of anxieties. I still think though, even if the running game isn't great, I think the passing game can be pretty darn good. And I know that there are concerns at receiver and things. I just think that I think Notre Dame's reaching closer to a point of plug and play at receiver than they have in in recent years. But if they're able to stretch the field with the, the, you know, the receivers a little bit, I think that the running game can be better without the offensive line really taking much of a step forward because now if you can stretch the field, the safeties have to play back a little more, you know, we know how it goes. So I I would say that that's probably my second, I suppose, uh, highest anxiety is the offensive line. Do you have any, uh, do you have anything to say about the offensive line, Mason? Nothing more to add, really. I am worried about it, but not nearly as much as other positions. I think we recruited well enough and that Jeff Quinn will do a good enough job to make sure he's got a solid five out there. And I have, I have plenty of trust in the backups as well. But, yeah, like, like you guys said, it's going to be something we need to see. And um, this isn't going to be a line like with like with, uh, with McGlinchey and Nelson. It's not going to be that. We don't have those kind of guys yet. We have this kind of, kind of guys waiting in the wings, you know, Patterson, Banks, guys like those could be those first round kind of guys, but it's not quite yet. I think, uh, the offensive line will be a definite strength next season, like a big time strength, one of the biggest on the team, but, uh, it's not quite there yet. Oh, yeah. And I think that, and I think that's fair. I mean, if you recruit the position well, I mean, maybe it won't be a dominant, dominant offensive line, but at the very least, it'll be solid. And I, and I think most people would agree with that. Um, and kind of going off of that, and then we'll move on to something completely different here in a few minutes. But uh, I, I kind of feel that way about the linebackers, too. Like, I know they're unproven. I mean, Coney, Tranquil, they're gone. Bilal hasn't necessarily proven himself, kind of like in that Kramer and like uh, Eichenberg role because he was pretty heavily recruited. Um but I just have trust that, you know, they've recruited the position well and those guys are going to be able to come in and, and play well, kind of like what Ben was saying. Um, but yeah, it's, I mean, kind of going off to a little bit of a different um, subject here and maybe we can, maybe we can end with this because it looks like we've been going on for, you know, 30, 35 minutes here. Um, Notre Dame basketball had not gotten a recruit for a really long time. I think it was something Almost like, two years. Yep. Yeah. And um, still don't have a recruit in the 2020 class. I have my thoughts on that. I'm a little bit more optimistic than other people are when it comes to, you know, Mike Bray and the team moving forward. And I think yourself and Ben are probably a little bit more optimistic as well. Um, but they finally got a recruit, the 2021 guy. Don't know how to pronounce his name. I've seen it spelt. Um, it's J.R. Kozniansky or, or something close to that. I don't know if Mason, I know you're from that area. Um, and I've seen him play. If you want to pronounce his name for us, go ahead. And then uh, maybe if you can give us a little bit of background knowledge on him, if you know anything. I believe it's Jack Kuchesny. It's, it's, it's similar to Coach K, where you it's kind of difficult to spell, and it doesn't look like how it would sound. But that's what I've heard, so I'm going to stick with that. I'm going to call him okay. JR, though, just because I don't, I don't know. I don't want to butcher it if that's wrong. But uh, JR it is. <laughs> JR, yeah, right. So I graduated from Penn High School, which is in the South Bend area, in 2018. So he was a freshman at the time, but I've been back to interview uh, a couple players that were Notre Dame targets, didn't end up working out. But, um, you know, Jaden Ivey, it is what it is. But um, so, yeah, I got to see him play a couple times. And this kid's a baller, and he's only getting better. He's heading into his junior year now. Um, 
kind of an early commit, actually. He's in the 2021 class, but uh, a pure shooter. He, um, he, he can drive. He, needs, he talked about it in a recent interview. He needs to put on weight to be able to drive more efficiently because he stands at 6'6", six, 6'7". Six, 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 so playing as a small forward, he's way bigger than his competition. A lot of times in high school you see small forwards that are 6'2 or 6'3 because at that height they're some of the bigger guys on the team. So he's way bigger than these guys, and he should, as he gets more into the weight room, as he talked about, he should be able to drive more efficiently but uh, and then make himself more of a versatile attacker to the basket. But, uh, yeah, you give him the ball, he can create his own shot. He's a spot shooter as well. He's knocked down from three. Actually, almost his entire Hubble highlight on Rivals is just about all of it is uh, is three-point making. So he's a real scorer and a guy that Mike Bray likes on his team. Um, I see a lot of Steve Vasturia in him, but even probably even more of a scorer than Vasturia was. Vasturia was more of a scrappy kind of guy. Who was, he was good from three, but I think uh, I think Jr. has the potential to be even better than Vasturia. Do you have any thoughts, Ben, on that? Yeah, I've kind of watched a little bit of him, uh, especially after Mason put out his kind of profile on Slap the Sign. I, I watched the exact uh, highlight that Mason just referenced just there. And he, I mean, what really strikes me is that, you know, <laughs> I before I even like read his stats as far as physical stats, I was like, holy crap, that kid needs the weight room. But, I mean, he is only like 16 years old, so he's got some time. I mean, 6'6", 170 or whatever he is, is <laughs> I mean, it's a unique, uh, a unique build. But I think, you know, the positive is that he has time to grow into his game a little bit, and his game's already pretty good. So... Um, I mean, it'll be different, certainly. I mean, he's probably, I mean, most of the time he's going to be one of the bigger guys on the on the floor in high school games, and he's going to be able to get a shot whenever he wants. Um, I don't know. I, I It'll be interesting to see as he continues as a uh, as a high school player and some of he gets to continue to play against good competition and stuff to see how he can get a shot off and, and that type of thing quicker against better better opponents and that type of thing. But I'm in, I'm enthused by him. Uh, anytime you can get a guy that's, you know, got that height and the ball skills that go with it, like you got to be happy about it. So uh, we, we just, he just has to do some things physically to, uh, to be a really good Notre Dame player in my opinion. Yeah, no, I kind of agree with you guys. I, I admittedly haven't watched too much film of him. I've started, um, you know, obviously when they when they offered him, I, I tried to check out a little bit, and then once he committed, um, I knew he was a guy that um, was very likely to commit, partly because Mason had kind of shown a lot of confidence in that being from that area. Um, but I had just read that he was the kind of guy that, you know, once he got that Notre Dame offer, it was really the one he wanted. So it's good. It's good to see that because I think a lot of people were starting to lose a little bit of hope in that sense that guys just didn't want to play for Notre Dame. And regardless of the kid being from South Bend or not, it's just nice to see that a kid wanted to be wanted to be there. Um, but going off what you guys said about, I mean, I think he's that traditional Notre Dame guy, especially in the Bray system. I mean, he he's a little tall. Um, you know, he's he, like like Mason said, he's not that six two, six three guy. He's you know, he's already six six, six seven, can play shooting guard, small forward, and he and he's uh he's already shown the ability to be a terrific shooter. Um, I've read some reports that he's really worked on his um, his athleticism, you know, this past summer, um, and that's starting to show already um, in some of their workouts with high school stuff, and then even in the summer when they were. Um, you know, when he was doing the camp circuit and stuff like that, he really showed out. But, uh, no, I'm excited about him. I mean, we have to remember he's two years away still. And, uh, you know, he's probably going to grow a few more inches. He's going to get thicker. Um, and he's just that guy that's, I mean, I, 
I think Steve Vesterio was actually spot on, and then Mason was like, he could be better. And I was like, well, well damn. I mean, Vesterio was, you know, was a damn good player for Notre Dame for, you know, all four years he was there. So, I mean, if he's, if he's Steve Vesterio, that's great. If he's better, that's, that's really great. So I'd be really excited if he became that type of player. Um, real quick before we go, um, I know we're kind of running out of time here, but, uh, I know we talked about before the podcast doing maybe a couple player predictions and we talked a lot of play about a lot of players, um, you know, for the, for the football season coming up. Um, and I wrote a piece here recently, kind of a collaborative piece. And, you know, I think six or seven of us uh, joined in, but, uh, if you guys could give me a few of your predictions, maybe a bold prediction for this year, player wise. Um, so we can start with maybe like MVP. You can do defensive offensive MVP. Um, and then uh, I'll just kind of shout them out, you guys. You don't have to do too much analysis with it, but if you guys want to show me or just tell me what your MVP is and that kind of stuff, and then we'll just keep moving on from there. If you guys are cool with that. Yep. Perfect. So, Mason, we'll start with you. Who's your Who's your overall MVP? And then give me your defensive and offensive MVP. Overall MVP, if Nerdin's going to have a successful season, it's got to be Book. Um, I, think I, I think that's what I answered in your article. It's got to be Book. Um, he has to play. He has to play well in order if this team wants to succeed. Not just because I don't trust Phil, but partially because I don't trust Phil. And I know that when we saw that book can take us to uh, to a college football playoff. So, um, and then you said offensive MVP. I guess well, just I'm go gonna, defensive. Well, just go defensive since you pretty much gave offensive. Okay, that's what I was gonna say. That, that'd be it's the same. So, defensive. I think Aquara is too easy. Um, let's see. Defensive, defensive. I'm going to go with let's, – let's go with Alohi Gilman. I think he's going to hold it down back there. He's a, he's a leader, and I think that he's going he's gonna to do a lot to mold Kyle Hamilton into being what you referenced uh, in our chat as the next Jalen Smith in South Bend. So I'm going to hold you to that. And, um, yeah, so I think, I think Alohi Gilman. I'm going to take a different offensive MVP, although I do think that, I mean, I probably, if I had gone first, I'd have probably picked Book, but I'm going to go somewhere else. Um, just a guy that I really will go to bat for, for some reason or another, is Jafar Armstrong. I think he's, especially with some of the injuries that we're dealing with at the beginning of the year, I see Jafar as a guy that, you know, isn't going to leave the field a lot, whether he's playing the traditional running back, whether he's in the slot, whether he's doing something else, you know, I think he, I mean, he's probably not going to be a thousand yard rusher because Notre Dame's going to probably use four or five running backs, but he might be the type of guy that has like 500 rushing yards and like 500 receiving yards or three, 400 receiving yards somewhere in that ballpark. So, uh, that's a guy that, you know, like I say, I'll, I'll go to bat for, I don't know if he's going to be the offensive MVP, but I just wanted to mention him defensively. I think, um, you know, a guy that I want to be the MVP at the very least is uh, probably like Troy Pride. Um, and I say that because I think that Notre Dame is, because they're a little bit weak in the middle of their defense, they're going to try to do some things to, you know, kind of cover that up a little bit, um, especially against a team like Georgia. And I think they're going to leave a guy like Pride and the other, um, and I mentioned Pride specifically because he plays the, the boundary corner. So if he's really good, um, I, that's gonna, you know, be good for Notre Dame, and so that's uh, that's kind of my thinking there. Um, so hopefully, he, hopefully he's the defensive MVP, um, but I don't know. We'll see. 
Gotcha. Just to keep it consistent with the article, I, I, I have to go with Book for overall MVP if the team's going to be a college football contender. But uh, defensive MVP, I don't really care if it's if it's one of those things where it, it's easy to say. Um, but, I, I mean, I think Julian Aquara is going to be, you know, just a dominant defensive end for the team this year. Um, but I would go a second guy. I might go with Jalen Elliott. I think he means a lot more to this team than people realize. Um, let's go a little faster on this. You guys don't have to get too depth on the analysis. Um, just kind of name a player and maybe just say something real quick. Um, what about, like, a breakout player? Whether uh, Try to stick it to no uh, – try to keep it away from, like, freshmen because I don't really consider those breakout guys because it's their first year. Um, but just a breakout player on each side of the ball. Um, Can you go first? Either one. Go ahead, Mason. Bang, go ahead. Okay. Um, let's go uh, Kurt Heinisch. He's just going to have to be good. And then offensive? Um, offensively, I'm going to go with Lawrence Keyes. He's going to have to be good, too. All right. Mason? Oh, shoot. Okay, break out. I'm going to go with Wu, um, Usu Kormala, Jeremiah Usu Kormala, um, to break out. And then, let's see, her offense, I'm going to take... Let's go Kyron Williams. Um, I think that his pass-catching ability and his speed out of the backfield is something that Chip Long's going to like to use a lot. Um, he's a nice compliment to – he might be the fourth running back, but he's a nice compliment to the strength and power that is Jameer Smith and Tony Jones. So I think that they'll, they'll utilize him a lot, and Notre Dame fans will like what they see out of Kyron Williams. All right, we're just going to pretend that you were paying attention when I said, you know, freshman, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> I say what I want, man. I say what I want. I'm going to go – I'm going to stick to the uh, article again. I'm going to go – I know a lot of people probably don't consider Jafar Armstrong a, a breakout candidate, but I'm going to go with him on the offensive side of the ball. And I think Lame. it's hard like to – I think it's hard to um, to go against uh, Jeremiah Usukormo. We've been hearing a lot about him in camp, and I just think he's crazy athletic, and he's the first guy that Clark Lee really recruited for for that position at Rover. So I think he's going to have a really solid season. Uh, how about like a wild card? Um, I know a lot of people when you guys, when we say this, it probably the first guy that comes to mind is Sean Crawford. Um, but what about like, a, like staying away from Sean Crawford? Let's just say that. And I know Mason will probably use his name anyway, but, uh, <laughs> let's, uh, let's pick a wild card. You don't have to use both sides of the ball on this one. Just give me one wild card for, for the year. Whether it means that, that, that they're gonna, it, it could mean that they become, the team is really good because of this wild card, or maybe they become really bad because of the wild card. And go ahead, Ben. Uh, um, this is hard. Um, Asmar Bilal, I think moving inside, I mean, I, I've got confidence that he's going to be pretty decent, but uh, just because he has some experience on the field. Um, but if he's bad, Notre Dame's, I, I, ugh, it could be bad for Notre Dame. Okay. Mason? All right, all right, so, guy, I don't think you guys mentioned Sean Crawford. I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> um, I'm going to go I'm gonna go with uh, – Drew White, I think he has a solid chance to be starting against Louisville, and we're going to see how good he is against Louisville. So, uh, yeah, go to White. Okay, and I think you used the guy in your uh, in the article. So that's, that's yeah. Good. I I think I believe my guy, if I'm not mistaken, was Bilal as well. Uh, I just think, I mean, kind of like what I mentioned earlier with him, he's he's been in the starting rotation for at least a year. He's been a rotational guy for a few years, but he's never really had that. Um, athleticism really transitioned into a, a big time role for them. So if he could be a really good Mike or Buck form this year, I mean, that'd be awesome. And then another guy was, we've mentioned him before, would be Dante Vaughn. If he's healthy and efficient, 
I mean, uh, opposite of Troy Pride, that'd be really good. Um, I think I think that's about it, guys. I mean, I, I was great to, great to try to lead uh, lead a podcast for once. I mean, I think it was cool, but uh, I'll kind of leave it for you, for Ben, to kind of close it out for us. Um, but just uh, really excited about this uh, coming season, and maybe we can hop on the pod and really preview Louisville later this week or something like that. But uh, if we don't, you know, consider this the official. Uh, start of the season podcast yeah so thanks nathan i think uh a plus job leading the podcast <laughs> I, I, I i'm happy um so listeners uh hopefully you enjoyed today's episode uh, it had been a while and so i know all three of us were kind of i don't know searching for a time to get together and, and do this and we found some time here today um as we recorded this on sunday afternoon so uh thanks for sticking with us make sure you're checking us out all over the web you can find us slap the sign.com search for us on twitter it's real easy to find us we're, we're pretty prominent uh prominent maybe isn't the word i'm not really trying to toot my own horn but we uh we participate in uh, the Notre Dame discussions quite a bit, so it um, shouldn't be too hard to find us. So thanks for listening, and until next time, go Irish. <laughs>